Well, I ask you to turn your Bibles today to Genesis chapter 39. I already kind of set up what we're going to be talking about uh, as it relates back to the song that we together uh, were just singing, that, that though we might be in the fire, that we will rejoice because God is with us there. Now, you know, we've been walking through and, and reading through God's Word beginning on January 1, and I, I trust and I pray that you are walking through this journey with us, reading through God's Word in six months. Now, we're 10 days in today, and so you may have kind of gotten a little bit behind, and that's okay. You can get caught up. It's not a big deal. Uh, listen, I would encourage you to get caught up now rather than waiting a few weeks, uh, because again, every day that goes by, you get further and further behind. But today, uh, we're going to be walking into a passage that we've just read, and it's been probably very familiar with you even before, but certainly familiar if you're walking through uh, this reading with us, because it's something you've read in the last couple of days. And uh, I just encourage you, get get committed to God's Word. Man, we'll never see revival until we see a a return to God's Word. I'm just telling you, until we as a church, the body of Christ, until we're spending time in God's Word, our lives will truly never be what they can be. And so I just encourage you, get passionate about that. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, the story of the life of Joseph. Now you know Joseph, and you know his story. Uh, You know he was one of the children of Jacob. If you read the last couple of days the story of Jacob, uh, Jacob had a pretty interesting journey going all the way back to his childhood and and all the issues with with, uh, Esau and Isaac. And then, you know, as he grew up and then he went off and worked, you remember he ran for his life. And when he ran for his life there, he found a woman that he wanted to marry, and he worked for seven years for that woman. That's a real love story, isn't it? And then the father, you know, kind of pulled a switcheroo on him and gave him the wrong daughter. And then, uh, can you imagine being, being, being Leah? You know, so we worked for seven years, and then you get married, and then you're like, well, yeah, I'm going to work seven years for the other one. It, it, I'm just, I'm going to keep working. Uh, can you imagine what that must have made her feel like? But regardless, you know, so you know the story that, that he went through. And so Jacob went through all this stuff, and then after he gets married, the conflict between Rachel and Leah, and, and, and all the situations there, all the kids that are being born, and then Joseph comes. And you know Joseph as he grew up, and it tells us that at 17 years old that, that Joseph had a dream, and that dream ended up not being a kind of a great entry point for him into adulthood, because you know the story, right? So Joseph has a dream, and in that dream, the, uh, the ultimately what it looks at, it looks back to, is the fact that his, his brothers and his dad, mom, all of them, that they were going to bow down and worship him. Now you can imagine that didn't go over real well with the brothers, Right? I mean, in fact, let's be honest, all of us in this room, if when we were growing up, if our siblings came to us and said, listen, this is really cool, God told me that you're going to bow down and worship me, Uh, I'm just going to tell you something, that probably wouldn't have come out real well in our families, right? Who agrees with me? That would not have gone over well in the household, right? Uh, We'd probably, there are a lot of people in this room probably in jail right now because that happened. But, you know, so obviously challenges that went through in in Joseph's life. So he tells the story, tells them, they get mad, they get angry. You know, the rest of the story, the brothers, you know, come up with a plan. They cook up a plan to get rid of him. And so they decide to kill him. And then they decide, well, maybe we won't kill him. Maybe we'll throw him in a pit. And so, you know, they throw him in a pit, leave him for dead. And then, nah, maybe we ought to sell him. And so then they sell him off as a slave. And so he's sold off as a slave. He's, he's carted off to Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, you know, he gets there and, and then he's sold off again. And then he's there in Potiphar's house. And then things start to turn around a little bit for Joseph. 
you know, things are going a little bit better for him now because now he, he's getting elevated in that household and, and being trusted more and given more authority and more power. And, and kind of he worked his way back into a position of power. He worked his way into a position where he was respected. He worked his way into a position where, honestly, according to God's word, that no one had more authority than him except for his boss, Potiphar, which is where we start our story now. And it says in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, and an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him there. So I want you to underline in your Bible, maybe highlighting your Bible, that, that word that I just read, that it says that an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, bought him. Now I want you to understand, remember that word bought, because what that conveys is this, that he was being treated as property. He was being treated that he had no worth and no value whatsoever as just like a, a piece of property. And the reason I want to emphasize that today is because there's probably some people in this room today that feel like your value is not great, that you feel like you have no self-worth. Maybe you feel as if others have disrespected you, or maybe you feel as if you don't have the, you know, the, the respect or the honor that you feel like you're due. And so Joseph in the situation when he arrives there, he's already been sold once, he was left for dead once, now he's sold again, Potiphar buys him, but I want you to notice what it says in verse 2, because this is a critical statement. After he had been thrown in the pit, after he'd been left for dead, after he'd been sold twice, no value, no worth, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Now, I just want to emphasize that today because I want you to remember and recognize and understand, no, how, no matter how devalued you might feel, no matter how worthless you might feel, no matter how hopeless you might feel, no matter how you, many people you think have turned around and walked away from you, turned their backs on you. The one statement that we read here of Joseph, which is still true today, and I can take you to story after story in God's Word, statement after statement in God's Word that tells us this is true, God will never turn His back on you. The Lord was with Joseph, even all that he had gone through, and all the pain, all the sorrow, all the hopeless uh, feelings that he must have experienced, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, I want you to skip down. Find yourself down to verse 19, and again, I'm not going to read all the pieces in between, because basically what happens, he's in Potiphar's house, he, he elevates, he grows, he, he, he's you know, promoted over and over again, and then Potiphar's wife messes up everything. You know the story. Potiphar's wife, you know, had this idea. She wanted to have a relationship with him. And he would not do it because he knew it was wrong. He wouldn't have, you know, thought about it at all. I mean, he said, why would I do this? I would not do this to my master. I would not do this to my God. And then, you know the story. He's there and she tries again. He runs away. She grabs the coat and then she begins to lie about him. That brings us to verse 19. And so when his master, Joseph's master, Potiphar, heard the story, his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me, the wife said. He was furious and had him, had Joseph, thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Now you think about it now. We read it a moment ago. He was bought. He was a slave. 
But the Lord was with him. Now he's been lied about. He's been thrown into prison. He's sitting there thinking like life is over. I was just on the mountaintop. I was just the second most powerful person in the household of Potiphar. And now I'm in prison. He had to think like this is awful. This is horrific. How in the world did I get here? But again, notice what the next verse says. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. And he extended kindness to him. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now you're starting to pick up a little bit on kind of the lessons that we can learn, the life lessons that we can grab a hold of in the midst of all of the situation that Joseph was going through. So like every situation, every valley experience that Joseph was going through, God's word, and again, just to remind you, and I know you know this, but I'll say it again, this is God's word. This is not the words of just some random person sitting down and writing out some thoughts, writing a novel, writing a, you know, a script for a soap opera, even though the book of Genesis would make a really good soap opera, in case you've read it in the last few days with us. Regardless, this is God's word. And so God is saying this, God is making this statement. God is saying these words. Listen to this. When Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, but the Lord was with Joseph. When Joseph was lied about, when he was thrown into prison, when he thought that there was nothing left, the Lord was with Joseph. So you're picking up on the theme here, right? You're getting the idea here, right? And so the life lessons that we want to kind of walk away from this story today to apply in our own journeys and our own lives are this, is that God's not going anywhere. You think life is falling apart? Good news, God's not going anywhere. Feeling hopeless today? God's not going anywhere. Feel like no one cares? God's not going anywhere. So here's just some life lessons that we can kind of pull out from this passage that Joseph learned in this statement. And one of them is this, that in the most difficult moments of life, God is with you. In the most difficult moments of life, and listen, Joseph had them. In fact, Joseph had them probably worse than anybody else in this room. I don't think there's anybody in this room that went through an experience in your life where you were left out in a pit, left for dead. I don't think anybody in this room was then pulled out of that pit and then sold off into slavery twice. I don't think anybody in this room was taken and lied about and then thrown into jail along with all of that other stuff. Yeah, probably not. So Joseph had it worse than anybody else probably here in this room or anyone watching this uh, show, this service today. But here's what's key. Here's what's critical. Here's what you got to understand. That in all those moments, God was with him every step of the way. And that's the lesson we need to learn. That no matter how bad our journey might be, God has promised to stick right by our side. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Man, that's good news. When life is tr- troublesome, when life is a pain, when there's they're suffering and there's sorrow, when, when it seems like everything has gone south, listen to me, understand it. God cares about what you're going through. God is with you in that moment. We can read passage after passage, truth after truth, statement after statement, both Old Testament, New Testament, over and over again, that God is with us. And that's why it's so important for us to understand this, because oftentimes when we get in the midst of life's most most difficult moments, we begin to allow the lie to seep into our mind that God has abandoned us, that God has left us, that God has, has forgotten all about us. You've got to remember, you've got to recognize and understand, God never went anywhere. 
God promises no matter what you're facing, no matter how sorrowful you might be, no matter how hopeless it might seem, God is with you every single step of the way. Which brings us to the second circumstance here, the second lesson that we can kind of glean from this and learn this from Joseph's life, Joseph's life because of all that he went through is this, is that when you're treated badly by others, God will never abandon you. God will never abandon you. Look what it says in verses 20 and 21. These are the things that your slave did to me. This is Potiphar's wife lying about Joseph. Now, we already know the rest of the stuff, like his brothers left him for dead. His brothers sold him into slavery. His brothers were hoping to never have to deal with him or see him again. So his family had abandoned him. And now those that he was working for, that he was given his life to, to work for them, now they're lying about him. Potiphar was furious. And so he had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. confined. So Joseph was there in prison, but the Lord was with him and extended kindness to him. Listen, Joseph had every reason to distrust everybody. Joseph had every reason to turn his back on God. Joseph had every reason to make excuses and and, and to say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to serve. Joseph had every reason to be angry. He had every reason to, to be furious at all that he had faced. He had every reason to give up. But he didn't. Because in all of those situations, the one thing that he knew, the one thing that he understands fully, that he was fully aware of is this, is that God was sitting there with him every step of the way. God never walked away. You can go in scripture after scripture that God promises never to abandon us. In Joshua, you know the story there. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, God promised Joshua in the, in the face of the adversity, walking into a land that, that all the spies had already told him, hey, listen, I mean, you don't want to go in there. I mean, it's tough. You're going to lose your life. They're too strong. It's too hard. It's too, too much of an uphill battle. You don't want to mess with them. And yet God said this, everywhere the sole of your feet will tread, will walk, I will give to you. He told them, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. You go into the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13 reminds us again that He will never leave us and He will never uh, forsake us, never abandon us. It tells us that the Lord is our helper and that we have nothing to fear. And so today, I know there are people sitting here today, there are people watching, listening today, that you're walking through one of those journeys where you feel like your family has rejected you, your family has walked out on you, your friends have abandoned you, you feel like, you know, I've lost my job because of all this crazy COVID stuff, and man, I just don't know where to turn, and my my money in my bank is running out, and I don't know what to do, or maybe there's a sickness that you're facing, and, and you've tried everything, and it seems like you're not getting traction, you're not getting better, maybe you're relationships are are hurting. Maybe your marriage is in trouble and you're sitting back thinking, where did God go? God went nowhere. We live in a broken world where we do face pain. We live in a broken world where we face suffering. We live in a broken world where other people will do us wrong. God never will. God has promised that he will never walk away from you. And one of the great lessons that we can learn from Joseph's life is in all that he went through and all that you go through, that God is going to be there every step of the way, that he is our helper, that he will not abandon us, that we have nothing to fear, that he is our strong tower, and we should run to him. Joseph understood that. 
And we can see in Joseph's life that the one response that he had to all that he went through, all the challenges that he faced, all the, 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 the rejection that he went through, the one response that was very clear was just simply this, is that he was focused on God's best no matter what. That God's best was his focus. Look in verse 23. The Lord made everything that he did successful. Why? Well, here's the key. Because despite of all the injustices, all, all the rejection, all the anger, Joseph made a decision. And that decision was this. No matter what I go through, I will do what's right. And Joseph had a long journey. The Bible tells us he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. And it tells us on the flip side that he was 30 years old when he finally actually came out of prison and was elevated again in Pharaoh's household. And so that means there was a 13-year journey in the midst of that, from 17 to the age of 30, where it was like valley experience after valley experience after valley experience as a slave in prison, left for dead, lied about, rejected by those who should have loved him most. And that 13-year journey... And in all that 13-year journey, in every story, every step of the way, the one thing we learn is this, is Joseph was always doing that which was right. Remember the story about the cupbearer and the baker, right? So they're in prison with him, and they had the dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams by God's power. And you remember what Joseph said? He said, listen, so when God restores you, would you do me a favor and just kind of remember me and tell Pharaoh about me and, you know, help me get out of this place? And then it tells us that he was forgotten. And it even says then that now two years went by and he stayed in that jail. Let me ask you a question. What if that had been you? What if it would have been you that you were promised that you were going to get help? You were promised that you were going to get delivered? You were promised that you were going to be released? That freedom was just around the corner as soon as that restoration took place? And then you were forgotten? And then you were sitting there day after day, month after month, year after year? Every reason to be hopeless, every reason to think there's nothing left, every reason to think I should give up and turn my back on God. Joseph didn't. Because he knew the best plan that he had, the best hope that he had, the only thing to do was to trust God because he knew that God would never turn his back on him. And we know that's true because if you continue to reading through the story, after he was then, later, after Pharaoh's dreams brought out of jail, and after he was restored to power, and after he had literally become the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, saving that nation from the famine that God promised. The brothers come. When the brothers finally find out who it was that they were talking to, who it was that was saving their lives, Joseph had this statement to make in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when he said, listen, you have nothing to worry about, because they were worried. They thought he was going to kill them. And boy, did he have every reason to. Not only every reason to, he had every ability to. Do you know that Joseph could have spoken a word and the soldiers that guarded Joseph, that they would have gone out and just with a word would have killed every one of those brothers. And no one would have ever thought a thing about it. Joseph would not have paid a price for it. Pharaoh would not have thrown him in jail for it. If he would have explained it to Pharaoh, Pharaoh would have celebrated what he did. He had every bit of that power in his hand. But here's what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. What you did to me in evil, 
God actually meant it for good. One of the great statements in all of Scripture, and it's a statement that for every person in this room, every person in this room, it applies to your life. That no matter what you're going through and no matter how difficult today might seem, no matter how painful your experiences are, regardless of what happened, regardless of who did what to you, here's what I know. God means everything in your life for good. And I know it's sometimes it's hard to believe that. It's sometimes hard to kind of put into your mind and, and actually buy into the idea that all things work together for good when you're going through some of the darkest valleys of your life. But God promises that he will be with you. And so what we have to recognize and understand is just simply this, that throughout all the injustices of our lives, throughout all the pain in our life, throughout all the suffering in our life, throughout all of the rejections in our life, the one thing we must always remember is this, God is with us, God cares, and God loves. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Think about it this way, for God so loved me. For God loved me so much that he gave his only son. So the next time that you're facing a situation where you're making a decision, do I trust God or do I question God? Do I respond in worship to God or do I turn my back on God? Always remember, God loves you and God's got an amazing plan for you. God is going to bring you through whatever it is that you're going through right now. God is going to bring you through and he's going to bring you through in victory with a better plan than you could have ever imagined because that's who God is. And that's what God does. And that's what God promises. But you've got to live your life the way Joseph did. That no matter how bad it might get, your focus is this. You will do what is right. That's how we experience God's best. And make that your heart, make that your focus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for the lessons that we can learn from stories in your word, God, that stories that happened thousands of years ago that's still so relevant in our lives today that make all the difference. And God, we thank you, Lord, for what you do. Father, I pray that today that you would encourage us and strengthen us in this moment. God, I know there's some heartache and heartbreak that's represented here, watching, listening today. I know there's some people in this room that are wondering if God cares. God, I pray right now that you would just remind them through your word today. Remind them right now that you do. Show them that you care about them. Show them that you love them. Let them be renewed and restored in understanding that you will never forsake them, God. And for that, we'll give you the praise. God, do a work in our hearts right now, right here in this moment. We'll give you the praise for that. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. If you're here today, watching today, and you've never come to the place where you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you right now to believe God loves you and Christ died for you. And he was buried and rose again three days later. And according to God's word, all you must do is believe in Jesus to find salvation. 
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.